Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you it is hip to be square. Right now, in a galaxy very near in Southern California, four normies gather to discuss the Skywalker saga in anticipation of its closure. This is the fourth episode of Starvember and Warsember. It's a new hope on Normies Like Us. Normies, we're talking Star Wars, A New Hope, Episode 4, or is it The Star Wars? Is it just Star Wars? We're talking something today with your host, Colin. Uh, Grand Mike Tarkin. Uh, uh, Han Jolo. Hey. Uh, This is uh, Jacob Baca here. Uh, (laughs) My easy fallback is usually Call Baca, so I'll say Colin 3, C3PO. It's too confusing. (laughs) (laughs) I like yeah, I like Han Jolo a lot. I like Han Jolo. Joby Wan uh, Kenobi. I like the Joby Wan Kenobi one too, Mike. Jojo jo Binks, but that's for the past. <laughs> we finally made it, guys. We're into the prestigious, the original trilogy, the classics, and this is the one that started it all. I am super stoked about this. And I've been enjoying all of Starvember and War December, but now this is like we're getting to the nostalgia, the childhood, the the classics, right? That's Here right. we are, man. Where it all began. Yeah, we're getting to the, the classics, OG. aka episode four, aka the original, aka a thing from the 1970s that is this thing that's new and that we see all the time now. So it's just a weird thing, guys. We're here. At the origins. It wasn't even episode four when it released. It was just Star Wars. That's that right. was it. Yeah. Um let's go around then, like as we we've done for all of these. Um this is a little weird. We probably don't remember seeing it in theaters, obviously, on initial release. But <laughs> no. did you see it in theaters because it was re-released? And also, maybe, what was the first time you saw it? Can I throw it to Colin first? Ooh, because you know that has to be a tape, right? We are the VHS uh, generation. I almost want to say mm-hmm. it wasn't even that iconic three-pack with the heads, you know, chopped up doing the original trilogy. I want to say no, it was those probably... Those were the special mm-hmm. editions. Are we talking brown yeah, covers for the original? Yeah. Yeah. Um, probably not even that, Joe. I'm probably talking homemade VHS ripoffs that my dad probably had just taped. Um, yeah, and exactly. young. You know, young. We're talking like six or seven, right, guys? How about you, Mike? Yeah, my dad had a, uh, a copy off the movie channel. They had the whole intro lead up. It was just bootlegged VHS, little black marker, and that's that's how I watched it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, First same time. here. Um, I actually, so what my family did, we didn't buy VHSs, but we would rent them. And then we had a VCR that had two slots so you could record. Yeah. So we would rent v- VHSs and record them over on the blank VHSs. And that's how we got our movie collection. Um, and I and had then you all would three sell of those. them on the street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I had those movies and I watched, I watched those probably a million times uh, growing up in the 90s. Joe, how about you? Uh, similar. I don't really remember whether it was a, a bootleg or an old VHS. I think it was my grandfather's copy of it. 
Um, don't remember the first time I saw it. Cause like you guys have, it's probably four or five years old, if that, right? Uh, I do mm. remember the first time I saw the special editions, though, because that was seeing a difference in them for the first time, right? You get the uh, the added CGI, the, the Han shot first debacle. Uh, I definitely remember all of that and seeing that release in theaters. Yeah, I saw that was my first Star Wars in theaters, 1997, I believe. They kind of ran them back out there. Um, I do remember my first time viewing. I remember the living room, the color of the carpet, where the furniture was. Like, it's so vividly burned in my brain, seeing that crawl and Darth Vader entering on the crawling Corvette. Like, it's it's distinct in my memory. But yeah, seeing the changes even back then, and we'll talk about it later, it was kind of jarring for me to see, like, that stuff was different than what I remembered. And I don't think I was fully, like, on board with it even as a kid. Hey, let me ask you this, though, Jacob, as a guy who also had a handmade VHS tape, did it say Star Wars A New Hope or did it say A New Hope? Like, what was the title of the films? Uh, I can't remember, honestly, but... I I mean, I'll say my parents did not write Star Wars on it. Like, my dad didn't write... It just said A New Hope. Oh, you mean Empire on Strikes the tape Back, itself? Return of the Jedi. Yeah, on his little, like, handmade tape that he'd made. He, we, yeah. Yo, you didn't even know it as Star Wars. Well, we literally had our entire like movie collection was just all bootlegged from rentals. So we would have we would like put multiple ones on the same tape, like if there was room. So it would just have like a little label with a list of all the movies on it. Oh, that's super janky. Yeah. I wasn't that far. I had a uh, <laughs> I had a Gremlins that would roll right into Scarface. So that was weird <laughs> as a kid <laughs> watching nice. Gremlins, and then you stay up too late and you wake up to Scarface. But good, that's good a, double another feature. story. <laughs> yeah, Thematically, they work. That is an odd choice, guys. But how about this? How about a time where the special editions are coming out in theaters? Can you believe that there was a moment where we were like, God, we might never get more Star Wars. It'd be so cool if we saw even just three extra minutes and it was crazy CGI. Who cares? Yeah. Little did we know we were going to get such a different attitude and then three more. It's become almost a religion. It's crazy. And this is what started it all. So I vote for let's go ahead and jump in and let's talk the film. Let's talk A New Hope, Star Wars. I don't want to. I want to go into Tashi Station and get some power converters. You can waste time with your friends when your chores are done. We're back, normies. We're uh, on the farm. We're looking up at the two suns. Our adventure is about to begin because we're talking about, again, the start of it all, A New Hope, Star Wars, uh, episode four. Uh, Just to lay it out real quick, we should say, as we've said in the past couple episodes, kind of where George Lucas is at in this point in his career. Um, He had obviously done THX 1137. I'm just making up numbers after that, right? I think that's it. I think it's 1138. (laughs) Something like that, sure, could be, could be. Uh, he's I also done a prequel, little yeah. film called American Graffiti, but uh, now he's shopping around a remake of a Japanese film uh, called Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> he read Joseph reads Joseph Campbell once. That's that's George Lucas in this. He's a film. Kurosawa film. Yeah, yeah, one time. Um, 
so this is the new hope right it's the one that i think most people of our generation are familiar with i think it would stand to at least um kind of go through like the plot quickly right like I can quickly summarize here. We get Luke Skywalker, farm boy. He wants adventure. Uh, the droids come over. He goes missing. He meets old Ben, tells him about the Force. Parents are killed. Now he's thrust into adventure. Moss Eisley meets Han Solo and Chewbacca. On they go uh, to save Princess Leia, join the rebellion, do the run on the Death Star, save the day. That's that's New Hope. That's all of it. Bam. A couple beats. Yeah. But as we alluded earlier, there's a lot of influences on this thing with uh, Kira Kurosawa's uh, Forbidden Fortress or Hidden Fortress. Hidden Fortress. And, uh, you know, Joseph Campbell's here with Thousand Faces. That's right. It's pretty much just taking that template. What and a little applying, hero's journey. You know, it's a hero's oh, journey. What if the good guy yeah. finds and saves the princess and he goes up against the man in black and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, yeah, what a it's perfect King little Arthur, story. Right? Exactly. Gets a crazy sword, meets a wizard, saves the princess and the kingdom, right? Um, but something about it just stuck with people for generations. And now we're into our third set of, uh, trilogies with this thing. So, you know, what do we think works with the new hope? What do you guys love? Well, about hold it? on, hold on. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if I got to jump in the gun. I, no, you're doing it perfect. But as I was watching it this did time. Did I McClunky? Did I, did I shoot first? <laughs> McClunky. <laughs> No, but as I'm we'll watching this, too. and again, guys, we're in this great Disney Plus world where it's so easy and so readily available. I did it twice for this podcast now where I was like, I'll throw it on the day before, or I'll throw it on right before we record. And guys, I got to start and I got to ask our buddy Jacob here on the Alien Watch because as I was watching it this time, there's so many fantastic background aliens in this movie in particular that I'm just like, who's Jacob going to love in this one? Tell me, buddy. Well, I, I think what's interesting is you do see so many creative and cool alien designs that have stuck with us in the universe that we see things, you know, in Clone Wars and Rebels and other media. You know, we see the Rodians, what, you know, what Greedo is. We see all the different aliens in Mos Eisley. Um, I'm a little sad because in one of the, uh, you know, the, the revisions that George Lucas has done, he replaced, there's a shot of, it's just a wolf man. It's just a, uh, it's like, <laughs> go back and listen. Yeah. If you can episode. find an original copy, they had just a regular wolf man. Like they're like, they're on the lot and they're like, we need some costumes. Well, I guess we'll use this wolf man head in most Eisley Cantina. They've re- uh, now replaced that with what appears to be a vaping lizard man. So I'm going <laughs> to so go ahead good. and say vaping lizard man is my, is my favorite alien. Oh, come that's, on. Because he's vaping that's or you, because though, right, he's Jacob? a lizard. Um, yeah, and then of course you know you got Jabba the Hutt, you got Greedo. I mean, so many iconic. Well, Jacob, uh, in a world where Jawas exist, were you guys so excited? Just like even Jawas. watching the iconic little weirdo Jawas. Can I ask? Do you guys know what they look like under their hoods? I did some googling, of course, right Nobody after we were watching. Oh no! No, you can find it. They're little mice people. They have rat faces. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that makes sense with the shining eyes through the darkness. Like huh. that's that's what rats do, right? George Lucas would have been like, right. oh, what a weird little thing. And then even they have been brought back recently in a little piece of media that's Ooh, on uh, Disney Plus right now, right? Adorable little blue coats instead of the iconic red. Right, I and they have red eyes that, uh, in uh, in Mandalorian. They have red eyes, and in this one they have oh, yellow eyes. So I like that. it. It's like different sects of uh, They Jawas. are off-world Jawas. They are Jawas who have left um, Tatooine and are on other oh. planets. That's actually oh. described on the back of the Black Series. Tatooine? Box, so. 
Jawas oh, are wow. native to Tatooine, guys. That's disgusting. The they entire are, time yeah. I was watching <laughs> Uncle Owen this time, and I was thinking about the Mandalorian, where like literally every character's like, don't interact with Jawas. They're like homeless people. And Uncle Owen this time's <laughs> like, oh, would you bring me, you filthy morons? I'll buy whatever's in the back of your truck. I'm like, are these people <laughs> idiot farmers? They are. Well, they're kind of like like gypsies, right? They go around, they they try to find junk, and maybe they'll make some trades and stuff. They yeah, hundred percent. Keep it with you know the the racial undertones of all of George <laughs> yeah, Lucas's yeah. Oh, aliens. God, they are definitely so gypsies. true. <laughs> Romani, you were both just canceled. <laughs> oh no, no, you know, but there are a lot of iconic aliens too. You have the Sand People, the Tuscan Raiders. That's right. We, you know, we had the banter section. I should have said the banta section. From now on. <laughs> During Star Assembly ooh, Wars, remember, ooh, it's the ooh, ooh. Okay, Mike, Mike, Mike. As far as changes go to this universe with an alien, yes. do you like the Dewbacks getting added with the Stormtroopers? I hate the Dewbacks. Oh, uh, really? It's so messy. The Dewbacks. I don't hate Dewbacks, but I hate the CG. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, Dewbacks by yeah. themselves are fine, I'm sure. But Blurgs over Dewbacks. <laughs> that's where I'm at. Blurgs are cool. But that's a different thing. Um, I, I was sad to see the Wolfman uh, go missing, but it's a classic. I think I think that's what essentially the goal of this film and what it executed so well is like world building, like creating this fantastical space opera, right? And that's what people call this. And just having all those different aliens just it gives you a hint of like a larger world, so to speak. And that's I think uh, that's one of the strongest things. Yeah, that's the beauty of starting on episode four, right? It throws you right into a universe that's already existing. You're you're thrown into a civil war like that's an easy way to hook an audience. The crawl sets you up like that in Medius Rex, right in the middle of things. A literary trope once again probably was at the very front of Joseph Campbell's book. Uh, <laughs> the the prologue, Mike, as he's just flipping through the pages and highlighting things. Oh, the hero should be named Luke. Got it. <laughs> Call to action. Crossing the threshold. Have you guys uh, ever like read that book? Or oh yeah, I've met with the goddess of Mike, of boys? course. I haven't read yeah, it, but I, I, you know, we learned about that in school and like, you know, I know the basics of the hero's journey, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and this is beat for beat, just the hero's journey. And that's why it works, I guess. It's just in space and very fantastical. Um, rewatching this for, for the episode, I found it so far like the most pleasant and enjoyable, like just to sit back, revisit. It's not without flaw. And I think some of what the prequels have done make some things weirder in this. But just to sit back and watch this, it was just very enjoyable. It's it's tightly constructed, and yeah, it's great. Yeah, I definitely have to agree with you. I mean, I was watching it, and so certain scenes would come up and be like, oh, remember this scene? Remember this? Remember this? And it was just, just this huge wave of nostalgia coming over me. And I'm just back in my family rib- living room in 1996 or whenever, and just, you know, just loving life. And did you all both, Joe and Colin, do a rewatch for this as well? You, oh, yeah. You said you did twice, right, Colin? Oh, I did, buddy. A little bit of a different take from you guys. Loved it, of course. Sometimes I've noticed in the past, I'll watch it, I'll flip up and down a little. On this take in particular, I was kind of taken by the length of certain scenes. Um, You know, if we're just going loose here, specifically Luke and Mm -hmm. Leia doing the swinging where I was like, oh, wow, this scene is like 10 minutes long and they still haven't swung across. (laughs) Like, I just don't remember this. So there was some pacing issues with me this time. How about you, Joe? Um, I'll tell you, when I was a kid, this was not like I would almost always skip A New Hope and go right to Empire or just watch Return of the Jedi. It was probably the one I watched the least growing up. 
So when I sat down to rewatch it, I was like, oh, I remember I don't like this one as much as I like the other ones. I loved it because I think I was seeing it through a new lens. And that's kind of what I'm excited to talk about in this episode is how things like Rebels, the the Mandalorian even, and the prequels pepper the universe uh, to kind of make you see this in a different light. And I think it works really well in some places and really throws it off in other places. Yeah, I agree that maybe some of the expanded like universe material that's now canon, like, yeah, some of it works to the benefit of this film and some of it is working against it. And I think those are going to be some of the interesting things to bring up. I want to ask you guys, because I did not watch the McClunky edit. But McClunky. did you guys all see the Disney? McClunky. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could have gotten yeah. my what hands on What is that? Can I yeah. just get this out of the way? Well, I do want to say that I did watch it on Disney Plus, And here's the thing. I don't like a lot of the changes that George Lucas has made over the years with adding CG and different things. But I am going to say, and this might be a hot take, but there are some good changes that he made. Specifically, hmm. like there's some shots of like the Millennium Falcon taking off when it leaves Tatooine. That's a new shot because they didn't have the technology to make it look that good back then. And I think that does improve the film. And then there's yeah, other stuff like just some plates. Yeah. And like the, hmm. the, the visual remaster looks great. I mean, it just looks so good on Disney Plus, but it's all the CG crap walking through the frame and stuff that that annoys me. It's just all the stuff most... from the special edition. Yeah. Yes. It's most egregious, I believe, on Tatooine, which is, you know, the first part of the film. But I think the worst of the changes are Tatooine, where you have a giant elephant creature right. wiping the frame. And uh, even the Jabba scene that was added in the first time watching this, Jabba wasn't in this movie. Right. Nope. That is interesting. Nice scene. Can I ask you real quick? Did you guys happen to watch the deleted scenes that I sent you? Uh, with the Irish guy, Scottish yeah. guy as Jabba? Yes. I did know I that that was an original. Neither that was a deleted I, scene they shot. What's that? I, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. Same. How did they scrub it and clean it up to, to just well, insert Jabba over it? Right. Well, I read a little bit into that. And basically, they originally were planning to use that shot in the original film. And they were going to do a like a animat- animatronic Jabba, but then they they ran out of like budget and resources to do that, so they just cut that scene. Um, what I don't like about that scene is how when Han walks behind the he guy, steps over the tail. Yeah, oh. so they have to make it so he steps on Jabba, and he's like digitally going up. And it just looks so it looked bad. Really and bad. Jabba this reacts. Time. Yeah. yeah. And they actually like, redid Jabba twice for that. They they did a bad CG Jabba in like the early 2000s. And then a couple years later, they made a different J- CG Jabba that looks a little better, but still not great. That's the first like one the was horrifying. Palette, yeah. The second one yeah. matches um, when you see him in the prequels. Phantom. Yeah. And the other mm-hmm. interesting uh, thing is you also see Boba Fett in that scene very briefly. And before then, he was not just in the Just painted Hope in. Girl, so yeah. So, yeah. so ridiculous. Well, and also, like, Greedo's still alive, even though Greedo is dead the scene before. So Right. Oh, the whole is he thing in just, that scene? Yeah, he's just standing by the ship with a couple other bounty hunters. Oh, but then God. Jabba You're says right. in that scene, oh, you didn't have to fry poor Greedo like that. So that's interesting. That's Frito. Yeah. That's the other guy. <laughs> the other one. one thing about that, uh, the add-ins that I do really love is you can see Dash Rendar's ship uh, taking off from the port right before we go into the cantina and like you that's know, right the cool. outrider yeah as as a huge fan of shadow of the empire and that part of the expanded universe that was something for me where i was like oh there it is i love it 
So does that mean I Dash Windar is canon or just his ship, right? I, I would like to think he's we'll out see. there. I hope so. Yeah, we'll see where this thing goes. Um, as far as like other stuff on Tatooine, I guess, because if you're looking at our locations, we have Tatooine, and then we have the Death Star proper inside, and then we have kind of the trench run and the whole rebel stuff. So um, like Tatooine, again, gives us the meeting of Luke and Obi-Wan, right? That's where we learn about the Force for the first time, having no prequels at this point. This was everything we knew about the Force and the Jedi. What do we think about this kind of interaction between them? I was very um, impressed by Alec Guinness's acting this time, guys. I, oh, I, he's I mean, great. I know that you guys <laughs> always talk up how good Obi-Wan is, but I've always kind of been, well, he's just somebody who's in it for the paycheck, but he seems so present in those scenes just saying gobbledygook. <laughs> well, he's he's an amazing actor. And the thing is, like, notoriously, he hated Star Wars, didn't understand it, didn't like it, was just doing it for a paycheck. But he's such a good actor that even though he was just doing this for a paycheck, he still brought, you know, his world class acting and just fucking kills it. He was he was Han Solo. He was Han Solo before Han Solo or Harrison Ford. You know, he was over it before Harrison Ford. Was. Right, right. Um but he does great. Because, I mean, um, he's like a serious, you know, won Oscars before and stuff. He's a serious actor. And then he's like, oh, I got to do this sh- stuff about like a space wizard or whatever using the force. Didn't understand it, but he just killed it anyways. Hey, something we'll talk it. about in the later movies. How about this? Did you guys really focus in on Luke's iconic white outfit this time and think, that's exactly what old man Jedi Luke Skywalker kind of dies in, right? The ancient sort of white robes that they've really mirrored, the way it looks like against Obi-Wan's robes, too. Like, there's kind of a blending between the two meeting here. It's almost like they rhyme. <laughs> Poetry. Don't, don't do it, Mike. I mean, oh, sorry. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about because there are no movies beyond A New Hope until next week. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I haven't seen them yet. Yeah, it's it's thematically appropriate, yeah. And... Yeah, just the old farm boy wanting a, a better life, you know. He, his friends are all gone. He doesn't want to uh, just hang around farming moisture out of a desert. Did you guys watch you the know? deleted scene with him and his friends where Luke's wearing the bucket hat? I was like, man, this, oh, these oh, movies yeah. could have been really bad. <laughs> there were figures the that came with rough. the bucket hat. Those were like sought after in the, the 90s and 2000s. Oh, boy. That's incredible. Um Actually, another thing I want to bring up, this is Forbidden Fortress, because the droids are really kind of what pushes the story along, and George has gone so far as to say that they're kind of, you know, what starts the action. And R2-D2 famously gets the transmission, Help Me Obi-Wan Kenobi, and then they're bought by uh, old uh, Uncle Owen and Luke. And then when the message is being played back, I love how slick R2-D2 is. This is where I think the prequels help with this movie, because, like, uh, this droid's going to cause me a lot of trouble. C-3PO says, he excels at that, sir. And then I think about all their adventures. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, okay. Mike, you know true. what I never realized? This film, the most dialogue spoken is C-3PO. That I did he not He gets know. a lot of screen time. And, he does. Uh, that's it's one insane, of the right, James? I don't like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But I love when R2 is like, oh, I can't play back the message because of this restraining bolt. Can you take it off? And he takes it off and he's like, what what message? And then C-3PO slaps him like, you know what message? Then Luke has to leave. Meanwhile, R2-D2 finessed him and he's able to escape <laughs> because you, he bitch. took off the restraining bolt. <laughs> it's like, dude, that's so clever. I never looked at it in that context until this watching. I'm like, oh, that's pretty slick, R2. Okay. See, uh, that's where one- it helps, but it hurts in the same moment because you have Obi-Wan just being like, 
it, it, it doesn't make sense for him to be like, well, I don't know R2-D2. I don't know nothing. And then two seconds later, yeah, be right. like, here's your dad's lightsaber. Your dad <laughs> wanted you to have it. So it's not like he's trying to protect him from the past or protect oh, by the way, him your from dad, the adventure. Your dad, you know that gold robot? Your dad actually made that one <laughs> when he was a kid. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and you didn't want to right. buy so him. This is... <laughs> Thank God you needed a translator that speaks binary. <laughs> That's um, like a second language to me. <laughs> Oh, no, and bocce. Make right. sure you bocce. get bocce. One thing I did um, did want to mention, too, is um, like, Colin, you were saying before, some scenes go on a long time. What I was struck by when I watched this was how long we actually spend on Tatooine. It's like the first hour of the movie is all Tatooine stuff. By the time they actually blast off, it's about an hour into the movie. The and movie does not also, pick up till the Death Star. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then I was also thinking... This reminds me of when I watched The Phantom Menace because The Phantom Menace, a large part of that was on Tatooine, so it's almost like they rhyme. Oh my god. (laughs) Speaking of that, we didn't do the, uh, what do you think of the title yet? So you have retroactively added A New Hope. Or episode four, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's fine, but I don't think it's the strongest. You know, I don't think it's, it's, it's iconic because we grew up with it, but I don't think it's the most evocative. I would probably put it in the lower half. Yeah. It's the same with uh, Phantom Menace. They're the only two that don't have some sort of in canon speak to it. Right. Oh, Mm, it it just feels so soft. A new hope, a new hope of what star Wars, a new hope. I can't tell my mom that I don't know anything (laughs) about this universe. Also, I want to hoping for, I want to close an argument. Um, People is always like, oh, it should, should just be Star War. There's only one war. He talks about the Clone Wars, and they're in a civil right. war. And if this is a standalone movie, it would make sense that when you talk about two war, two wars, that it's the Star Wars. True, it's not true. Star War. And actually, each trilogy with has it. its own war. So there's like the Clone War, there's this war, and then in the new trilogy, there's like the new war, right? So each Star War has its own war. Yeah, so it makes sense that the franchise is called Star Wars and not Star War. I'm with you. I can get behind it. But do they try? One thing is interesting, yeah. though. So they talk about, well, this is getting a little ahead of, but when they're on the Death Star, the, the officers are talking about the Imperial Senate. But in Revenge of the Sith, we saw, like, didn't the Senate get uh, disillusioned, right? Or whatever. But then then they say oh the senate has been disbanded now but before that they were talking about the senate like how is this going to play in the senate and everything i thought that was interesting yeah that's true that does come up they mentioned that he has like disbanded like the the group that i guess also has a say like there's some other votes right so, like, no. so that means until then from revenge uh, revenge of the sith until that He's moment been manipulating there's been parties like a, to work yeah, like a with puppet senate maybe Remember, that's a line from Yoda who says uh, when they're tracking down to go to the Senate to fight Palpatine, he says, well, obviously he'll be there. They still have to do the vote. He can't control a galaxy himself. He needs the Senate. Hmm. Yeah, which makes sense. Until this film. So that's something that I think is additive. Very interesting. But more important than any of that, uh, did you guys catch that C-3PO is afraid of being sent to the spice mines of Castle? (laughs) <laughs> which we see in wow. Solo. <laughs> he did mention he say that. the Spice Mines of Kessel. And the Kessel Run. Can we do... Um, which, yeah, I guess I need translators there. Can we do a plot check-in real quick? I just want to ask you guys, what is the grand point of why does Leia need to get into contact with Ben Kenobi specifically? 
I think it's because he was a general in the Clone Wars and he was a Jedi and she knows that he could be a valuable asset to the rebels. Tight with his dad, someone yeah. you could trust. Yeah, Bail Organa knew uh, Obi-Wan as well. He was there for the birth of Leia. So, yeah, only one we can shout out to. That's and the, the prequels really do show how close, uh, you know, Obi-Wan was to, to Leia and Luke. Yeah. So yep, that's a retrospect to... perk of it, I guess. Yeah, and then just being stationed on Tatooine to keep an eye on him. So, yeah, I guess Leia and Bale, you know, let her know there's this guy on the desert in Tatooine if you need anything. But then he doesn't say anything to Luke about Leia being his sister. So, very interesting. That's where this thing, in a vacuum, I think it's a very nice little movie. That I like the pacing. I like that it's a little bit slow. And then from then on, it just pretty much Guys, ramps up from the Death Star We're on. talking about weird um, complaints with knowledge of the other films, though. Can we talk about the Rogue One mm-hmm. moment of the fact that this movie starts with Darth Vader getting on that ship and being like, you bitch, you stole this thing, didn't you? And she's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm here for a diplomatic meeting. When that last scene of Rogue One is her shooting into space, stealing stuff from him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like, him I just murdering saw you take fools those. like he's fucking Jason. He comes Morty. in so hot, and he just, and then he walks through the door just so casual, like yeah. And then he just chokes up? people after he gets through the door. But before he was like causing mayhem with his lightsaber. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, subtractive. I think Rogue One is subtractive to the opening of this film because it's he's so casual now. But then she does say at the end of Rogue One. This is a new hope. And then the movie ends. That's right. She said the thing. Oh, my God. She said it. Jacob, just smugly during this record, wearing that yellow jacket and metal as if you don't want us to ask you about it. Yeah. Yeah. I I have left the chat. A thing um, that comes up as a criticism is to, like, why don't they just shoot the escape pod? Like, that? there's no life forms. We better save our laser bullets. Right, yeah. <laughs> We're running low on laser bullets. <laughs> on a budget. So you can, like, you can nitpick any one of these movies, But then they go right? down like, to... Even the ones we like. Yeah, and then they go down to Tatooine after they decide not to shoot the escape pod to see if there's any people that came out of the escape pod. And then there's the one stormtrooper that just holds up a washer and is like, look, sir, droids. <laughs> like, how do you know <laughs> yeah, that's a droid? It could be anything. The sand crawler. <laughs> it was falling yeah, off of C-3PO it. as he walks through the desert. There's just shit everywhere. <laughs> Well, I hope we get a movie about that guy and how he grew up as a droid repairman's son and he knows that, <laughs> that specific washer is for a C-3PO unit. You know? Coming yeah. soon, that Disney+. That really Plus. needs to be explained. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, the droid maker's son. Exactly. Um, it's like even the bartender in like comic books or the extended media has a... You know, when he's like, we don't serve your kind in here, your droids. Like his family, his parents were killed by droids in the Clone War. <laughs> And that's why he doesn't want droids in his bar. Is that true? And that's canon. That's true. Um, Mike is your favorite alien. Mike's favorite alien watch. Uh, The guy who says he doesn't like you. (laughs) Like, that guy's an alien, right? He's just got like a half burn up two face. (laughs) You know, he's got the death sentence on 12 systems. That's right. I'll be careful. You'll You'll be be dead. dead. I don't like you either. Um, (laughs) There's a great edit of that scene where they cut to the fly guy next to him and they subtitle him. It's like, he doesn't like you. And the guy's like, I didn't say that. Why, why are you saying that? There's a robot like, I don't like you either. That that so that funny. I love yeah, it. that's right. Hey, man, yeah. calm down. <laughs> so, why are you doing this? You always start in fights. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And Obi-Wan's like, hey, man, come on. I'll buy you a drink. And then the guy escalates and gets his arm chopped. The, one of the only times, if not the only time, we see blood from a lightsaber wound. 
It does yeah. seem somewhat un-Jedi-like to chop someone's arm off for trying to start a bar fight. Oh, he's been living he in the desert. Twice. He's a maniac now. <laughs> he chopped off an arm he's... in Coruscant in a bar. Poetry, rhyme. Yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. He, he does like chopping off <laughs> hey, arms Hey, how about bars. this, guys? Because we're not getting a lot of new characters as we enter this series. Like, I can already say that in the podcast that we've already talked about Chewbacca, which is like a very interesting thing to say. But how about we meet for the first time in this very bar, as we're talking about it, Han Solo. Now, this is a character I know you guys all fucking love. Uh, any new revelations on him mm-hmm. this time watching? McClunky. <laughs> Harrison Ford's a great first. actor, ma'am. Uh, it's so I funny. Just, he's so he's cool. funny. Yeah, he's so he's still so charming, so fucking cool. Like just that introduction, you know. It's it's classic. We've seen it a hundred times, but it's like it just still works. Han Solo, he's he's the swag. Hey, how about this? I do have a new revelation? Oh, hit me. Um, hmm. he, he he calls Leia sister like six times. Like he's like a sassy black woman. He's always like, <laughs> I don't worship. know about that one, sister. Yeah, your worshipfulness. Um, yeah, worshipfulness. I like, <laughs> yeah. but the sister, the sister one, he says it like three times in one scene, and he's like right next to Luke the whole time, and it's really funny that like Luke is fawning over her, and then she ends up with Han, and Han keeps calling her sister, even though it's right. Luke's sister. Think a princess and a guy like me? No, no, that's a great scene. I like that he's kind of goading Luke. He's not even really into her at yeah. that point. He's just he like tell Luke's into her. With- well, and he's, yeah, you know, people weird. always say, why does he come back at the end with the Millennium Falcon? He's a scoundrel throughout the entire movie. You know, that's very out of character. The heart of gold. He's got a heart of gold. He's in it for Guys, the how about the scene in the uh, prison compound or, or you know, uh, block or the cell block, whatever mm-hmm. they call it, where they're holding down the stormtroopers. He lets everybody else go in the trash can, even Luke before him. He's holding off with the suppressing fire. This is a kid he met a fucking hour ago in a space bar. It's true. He does occasionally do the right. He's a reluctant hero is how George would describe him, you know. And there's also interesting stuff, too, where, you know, Luke learns that the princess is on the ship in the detention center. He's like, we got to rescue her. And before that, Han Solo's like, you know, I don't want to sit around here waiting all day. And then Luke is like, let's go save her. And he's like, I don't want to go get killed. Well, I like, didn't I'm think we'd be going here. there. So it's interesting. Yeah. So he like kind of flip flops. And then once money is involved, he's like, OK, I guess I'll go. Right. Hey, why don't they do the the classic prison thing where they just open every cell? Like, if you think about it, those are all bad guys to the Empire. He just goes and he opens Leia and he's like, all right, let's get out of here. (laughs) Yeah, he could have released all the (laughs) The rest of them are all going to die. There's probably some people with death sentences on 12 (laughs) systems in that prison. I I bet that's where George put the wolf, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's my favorite Um, alien. uh, And then in the prison... Peppering moment, you get... uh, Chewbacca all like mega upset when you try to put handcuffs on him, even though it's obviously a ploy, you know, in the original movie, it's just like, oh, you, you know, he's, he's an alien. It's different. Now we know that like he was forced to eat humans in a oh, that's true. slave camp where he was chained up yeah. by the, yeah, uh, by the empire. empire. I don't like how so, anybody yeah. treats Chewbacca with the knowledge we have of the other films, because in this one, they just, it's so much like he's just a dog when it's like, we yeah. have this yeah. whole that rich thing. history. It's ridiculous. They don't give him <laughs> he a was medal. A war hero, a pre- he was a POW. And now he's, uh, you know, having PTSD flashbacks as some young farm boy <laughs> tries to hook him up. Give Chewie a medal. That's true. Give Chewie a medal. He really deserves it now knowing what we know. Like more than anyone, like you said, he was a POW and a a revolutionary warfighter. I mean, Jesus Christ, what's he got to do? 
wear a yellow jacket. Yeah, <laughs> I love that yellow jacket. You guys keep joking about it. That's my favorite Luke. <laughs> no, I like it too. Seen. It's just it's just so jarring at the end when Luke and Han get medals, but Chewie doesn't. Like, come in on, the, he was there's there too. a comic that explains that he does get it. And there's like a sweet. Yeah, come on, George. That's bullshit. Use your CG computer power to put a medal on Chewbacca. (laughs) That's what it should be for. That would be one change for good. (laughs) (laughs) We got one. Another another uh, Han Solo classic Han Solo line that I like from the prison scene, though. I just wanted to mention when he's talking on the intercom, he's like, "We're we're all good here. How are you?" Classic scene. Boring conversation anyway. When people in the later ones are like, everybody's too jokey. Like Han Solo had some fucking jokes in the old one. Yeah. They've always been Um, jokey. That moment comes right before the you're a little short for a stormtrooper, aren't you? Like the last bit of that movie is actually pretty fucking funny. Joe, immediately he gets in the, the, um, you know, they come up with the idea to put the cuffs on him. They call it binders. Luke says, hand me those binders. And I was like, he's about to hand him a binder. And instead it was the handcuffs. I was like, oh, that's interesting. (laughs) They put the handcuffs on Chewie and then they get in the elevator and Luke turns to them and says, I can't see anything out of this stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Which explains why they miss so much, huh? Right. Oh, I like earlier when they're looking at the, the, uh, Blaster attacks, and they say on on Tatooine, and Obi Wan says, "Oh, these these are far too precise for Tusken Raiders. These could only be from a Imperial stormtrooper." That's right. Yeah, they're only ones that precise. Oh man, which is hilarious. Hey, I have a theory well, real think, quick I mean, so, about uh, Peter Mayhew's yeah. performance. I think this is the best Chewie ever does, and here's my reasoning for it. He looks a little different than he does in the other movies. I think they don't have the prosthetics well enough to go up around the eyelids, so they actually just finish it with like big circles of makeup. It lets Peter Mayhew actually mm-hmm. emote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, through his eyes more, because they just painted those big black kind of makeups around him. Did kind you guys watch the footage of uh, Peter Mayhew saying the lines before they added in yes. the, uh, the Wookiee noises? Really funny. No, that sounds amazing. <laughs> it's just like, you know, a British Chewbacca who's like, I don't think that boy knows what he's doing. And it's like, if that <laughs> was how it sounded, it would be so weird. <laughs> Polite Chewbacca. Well, I think we've moved from Tatooine onto the Death Star. Am I right, boys? That's right. Yeah. Let's always see if we can get these uh, shields down, get the tractor beam turned off, and uh, get back on the Millennium Falcon right after this. We're back. We're talking uh, Star Wars, A New Hope. And guys, we're on the Death Star. Uh, that is no moon. It is a space station. Um, do you guys like the Death Star? Mike, do you like the Death Star? Do you like the fact that you're going to see the Death Star a million times over these movies? I just wish it was the size of a planet. You know, I just, <laughs> I just really <laughs> wish it was bigger. Uh, I, I like the Death Star. It's, it's super iconic. I mean, it's a planet exploding laser like... Now every Hollywood movie has the doomsday weapon, but this is the doomsday weapon, in my opinion. Joe, what do you think? Do you like this Oh, thing? yeah, same. I mean, you know, you need a weapon. It makes sense that uh, 
it, it's it's hard to look at it through the scope of just this movie, right? Because now that we've seen like the Death Star two and Star Killer Base and the weapons of the prequels, you know, like it kind of just seems like mm-hmm. all it does is blow up a planet. But like, yeah, that's what else do you need? It blows up a whole fucking planet. That's terrifying. I like watch- the. Uh- you watch Princess Leia see her entire family get wiped out, and she takes it like a fucking uh, champ. Her whole planet is gone. Yeah, she really doesn't mm-hmm. seem too sad about it, though. I mean, she kind of moves on. Like, Luke is sadder about Obi-Wan dying than Leia seems to be about her entire planet blowing up. A little interesting. Maybe she's been around kind of uh, the horrors of war being a, kind of in a political family. I don't know. I mean... But she does say that Alderaan is peaceful. They have no weapons there, you know. Yeah, I like the Death Star specifically. I like the the interior of the Death Star. I think it kind of sets the whole aesthetic for what the Empire totally. looks like. You see that. Oh hell You see yeah. all the Empire uh, Emperor soldiers with their uniforms and everything. It's just a bunch of white British guys in like Nazi uniforms. Um, and yeah, it just sets the whole tone of like this is who the Empire is, and uh, and I really like that. Even the guy in the cell block, Colin Jacob, Destin. who's like, I wasn't informed that blah 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 <laughs> yeah. happened, and I'm like, all of these idiots are just up there in space on this fucking stupid thing. Uh, the mouse droids is what I learned those were called as kids. Oh. The little like mm-hmm. you know RC cars that are whipping around on the ground. I always thought those were fucking cool. I love yeah, those. and it's literally every Imperial officer is just a, a haughty British white guy. And it's like the same people, like, you know, you watch movies about World War II and like the Nazis are always played by like British people. Like it's kind of similar to that. All right. So this is our I mean, first This is one heavily influenced. Oh, of yeah. Nazism. But you've got the grand guy. Well, I have like World Let's War II. Let's talk about yeah. the goose stepper himself. You've got the man, guys. This is our first one after a trilogy of seeing him grow up. Darth Vader. Um, oh, I thought you were going to talk about Grand Moff Tarkin. Grand oh, Moff yeah, Tarkin. of course. <laughs> what are you guys thinking of Darth Vader in this movie? Just mine up top. I was very stuck in what I'm going to call, Joe, Michael Keaton's Batman syndrome, where I've never looked at him so much where I'm like, look at the cape. Look at how it goes up into just black, what I'm sure is like foam, some sort of polymer. He's completely swiveling the entire time. He has no head or neck movement. I was like, oh my God, that thing must fucking suck. There's subtle changes to the cape and cowl so often that it's just like, ah, that's, it's weird to focus in on. I found myself doing the same exact thing. Even yeah, the color same. of the buttons and stuff. I like seeing him here, but again, it's hard to look at it without knowing what we've seen in Revenge of the Sith and no, and where's Padme? Because um, when you watch this the first time, he's just like a, a tough guy with a laser sword. Like, you know, you don't, you haven't, you know, you haven't even seen his laser sword up to this point. Yeah. And I think the other interesting thing is I didn't think about this, but he almost seems like he is like Grand Moff Tarkin's like subordinate in this movie, which after seeing how close he was with Palpatine and the prequels and everything, it's kind of blows my mind that he seems like he's taking orders from Tarkin this whole time. Lay even says, I would have assumed that you would be holding Vader's leash or something to that effect. So he does seem like a number two. And we don't really see, I mean, we see Tarkin in one shot, like young Tarkin at the end of Revenge of the Sith. But just knowing from the prequels, like Palpatine, and the other thing is all the Imperial officers are kind of making fun of the Force. And they're like, oh, you have too much uh, faith in this ancient religion. But they all work for Emperor Palpatine, who's like the Sith Lord. Do you guys remember 30 years ago, not even when I was literally running around chopping most of you in half? Like, how (laughs) dare you insult my religion? Right. And there's also something about... 
the shininess and the sheen of the Revenge of the Sith armor that it looked so good and so fresh and popped that it's still in my mind when I saw him in this. I was like, I was scared of this robot grandfather. Like, that's so strange to me. He's just like a weird walking, talking, moonwalking robot. You know, David Prowse doing what he can, you know, big man in a big suit. But um, yeah, if there's something about like he works here because you know who he is already. Like, I think if you came in blind, yeah, he's kind of just is like a secondary villain. Yeah, I think the thing is he is developed a lot more in the next two movies. And that's kind of how we remember him. He's not really developed as a character very much at all in this movie. So but that comes later. So that's kind of how we remember it. He's really just a boogeyman in this movie, which works for the movie. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think it does. It really, like, the big enemy here is the Death Star itself. Like, the super weapon is what must be defeated, not Darth Vader. And uh, that's kind of what we get. Um, other than Vader, I mean, you you do see him choke that guy out, which is like, we see a force power, which I believe that's the, f- no, the second time. The first time we see Obi-Wan do the mind trick. And then this is the only other force power we've seen to this point is him choking that guy. All right, so what do you guys think, of course, about the duel? Uh, This is often talked about how people are like, well, lightsaber fights used to suck. This was another thing I found myself focusing on in this one where I'm like, does it suck? What's it like? And I I thought it was actually pretty cool, the choreography. It's a lot more fencing style. I was way more impressed with it is is what was my takeaway. I was like, no, this isn't lame. It actually kind of works really well. Yes. Yeah, it wasn't terrible. I mean, I I know it's like based on like Japanese samurai kind of dueling. It's more about kind of the intellectualness of like positioning and all that stuff rather than like flashy moves. Um, there's one part in particular when Obi Wan does like a weird spin that I didn't like because it was like why why do that? Like what does Jacob, that add? It to was the giving fight? me flashbacks. <laughs> what did I say last episode? How funny it would be it, it if spinning. they did a spin in this movie and then fucking Alec <laughs> McGinnis or whoever whatever forty year old man played his eighty year old body <laughs> as a stuntman right. <laughs> uh, did an awesome spin in this. Yeah, I mean it wasn't as bad as I remember it being. It's definitely not my favorite lightsaber fight. I mean, there's better ones in this trilogy, so. But, you know, it was, for the first one, I think it was good. Yeah. Oh, forgot to mention that yeah. uh, Obi-Wan's first line is hello there. Yep. Boy, I did not know oh. that. I was blown That's away, Mike. I, the minute right. it happened, I was thinking about you. I was like, Jesus Christ, this guy's been hello thereing his entire life. <laughs> That's his bit. He's a one-trick pony. I go hello there and I cut he off hates arms. hates blasters kind of my they're thing. so uncivilized. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, anything he, he sets up the more civilized age and elegant weapon, that yeah. whole thing. Um, I think this fight is fine. Um, I shared with Jacob earlier today, there's like a remastered or reimagined version of this fight that the fans did. Wow. And it's like they interspliced it to the actual it was scenes awesome, of the movie. Yeah. It's, epic. I don't know how they did you got it. Vader. They, they, yeah, it, they it, superimpose their faces over like, oh, other that's a people deep doing it, but then it's, that sounds fucking it's, awesome. But it's cut it's, so it's well. It's really, you, really well done. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of with the reactions of Luke and Han and everything. Yeah. It has been, right. And so, I mean, the version I saw has like 12 million views on YouTube. I'll put it in the show notes. Hold on, hold on. Does it end with an old man turning into his dress as he just disappears? (laughs) Yes, it does. It it turns into the cloth. They they tie it directly into the way it ends in the movie. Yeah. Luke Skywalker freaking out, and then they escape. It's it's it's, awesome. And the the style of fight is almost like the the prequels. Yeah. the prequel fighting. So it kind of, 
it would be cool like if they kind of revamped it in the in the movie. I don't know if you know. It's it's hard to explain to though because it's revamped like it's the prequels, but it's not so over the top that you wouldn't believe that Obi Wan at that age wouldn't be able to do it. Like it's really uh, it That's true. feels weird to say it, but it's really tasteful. Like it doesn't feel like it's yeah. it's not Yoda flipping around like Attack of the Clones. Like it yeah. feels like and it you would got, play. Yeah, Vader is just has so much rage. I think they play the audio of like, you were my brother, Anakin. I loved you. And like, you have that backdrop and you just see how angry Vader is for what he's had to go through. It's, it's awesome. Um, but that's not in this. What we get is a little fencing duel. There was a point at which George Lucas said like that the idea of lightsabers were like, they're kind of hard to move because of like the polar fields of whatever, you know? So that's why they're so slow. Glad he didn't stick to that. Boy, me too. Because the older Jedi were more used to the Force, but yeah, yeah, that's the argument you could make. But we, but we do lose, uh, we lose our wizard here. Uh, strike me down now, and I'll become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. And there goes Obi Wan. But he was able to successfully put down the uh, tractor beam. That's right, <laughs> Mike. Did you guys notice that? Like, there's four times in the movie where C3PO calls it a tractor beam and also a power beam. He keeps like mistakenly saying two <laughs> different things throughout. Where I was like, "What the fuck?" I'm just glad that they have tractors. In space. <laughs> yeah, obviously, a tractor <laughs> I trailer. That's what it's named for. Yeah, so I got this is going to pull me just like a tractor does on the old vapor farm, moisture farm. The crazy yeah. thing there's is there's a lot of... so many like, moments like that. Yeah, there's a lot of made-up technology that go on to be, you know, used in other sci-fi and stuff that are really kind of originated with Star Wars. And I mean, if you think about when it was made, they've got computers and everything. They did a pretty good job of predicting like how technology would kind of advance over the years. For being more fantasy, there definitely are certain things that... Uh, they do hold up, and I think the set design, especially as you said, of the Death Star and like the terminals that everyone's working yeah. at, all the blinky lights and stuff, it's like it really holds up. The set design is solid, and that's why that aesthetic still works even into the postquels. That's what I'm calling nice. them. Postquels. Write me a letter if you don't like it. <laughs> um, so, I mean, Death Star, any other notes, or are we going to hop on the Millennium Falcon? Because I think it, it's the first lightsaber fight we ever see. Um, anything more on that? I mean, I was amazed to see a red lightsaber. It was like, well, okay, it's pretty fun. Colin, I know blue. you love the. Uh, I know you love the scene where you know after Obi Wan is killed, then what does Darth Incredible. Vader do? He steps on his robe to Incredible. make sure he's really gone. Right? A moment <laughs> as if he's just like, as if Vader doesn't even know what the Force is because he's sort of he just checks him almost <laughs> as if he's like, well, did you shrink or like, are you invisible or something? <laughs> Like there's a possibility. Okay. I think his I think his lightsaber is still like extended out. Like it's so silly. I do I do have a point about that though. Um, Anakin in the prequels is always cutting people down. Right? He's he's fucking people up left and right. Uh, Qui Gon mm-hmm. is burned. All the other Jedi's are hunted down and killed. We don't see what happens with them. He has never seen someone dissipate upon death he has never seen someone literally like yoda and uh uh now luke become one with the force so like maybe to him that is like oh what the fuck what like poking him with a stick like (laughs) Like, did did he go away i mean i just think it's interesting that like yeah i mean knowing from the prequels like He's seen people die with, from lightsabers. He's never seen anyone just like van. <laughs> that is true. No, no Jedi do that in the prequels. We'll get to it though. 
He's probably got a bad does, back, too. He doesn't want to bend down and pick it up. Does the guy who does it in the future while levitating and seeing two suns, does his, do his clothes also disappear? No, they just they they stay, stay there, there too. Wow, okay. Mm-hmm. Huh. It's like poetry. So Yoda, which, spoiler, you know, we'll talk about that. Same thing. The clothes remain. Right. But the spirit do you guys think on. that's what's going to happen to will... me? <laughs> probably. Just disappear. I but I actually like that scene with Darth Vader. I mean, maybe it's my nostalgia speaking again, but that's just another classic shot of to me, like when they're they're getting on the Millennium Falcon and we see one shot of Darth Vader like stepping on the robes and just not really comprehending what just happened and then they blast off and then we're off. I just like it. Is that scene helped by the prequels when they have their little exchange, you know, when I last left you, I was a student, but now I I wish am they the master, said almost right? something more impactful for the, for, than that because it almost seems very like obviously they didn't know the whole story of the prequels when they did that, but mm. it seems a little understated for like the relationship that they had. You're totally you know, right. They're going to make a new cut where he's like, you let Qui-Gon down. Yeah, well, but he could yeah. have in the original and three, he could have said something like the master and the apprentice stuff. They could have mirrored that dialogue a little more. Yeah, but I, it's almost like not personal enough. Like you are the student, I was the student. Now I am the master. Like I would have liked like more of like you were you know, the you familiarity were like a of the relationship. Son to me, or you were my brother. We yeah. were brothers. Yeah, we didn't even have the word Padawan at yeah. this point. Right, George Lucas probably didn't even know so. that Darth Vader's name was going to be Anakin Skywalker at that point. So it's crazy. We barely avoided Luke Starkiller yeah. or whatever. <laughs> That's right. So. So, oh, how far we've come. But Millennium Falcon getting out of the Death Star. We've got to regroup with some rebels. We got Princess Leia with us. We got the droids. And we're all on the ship and we're out of here. You know, we just lost Ben, but we got to move. There's no time. They can make the thing away. I found interesting is I don't remember the scene, but they Leia, when, once they leave, Leia says to Han, oh, they're tracking us. We wouldn't have got away that easy. And yeah, then that was Han's like, yeah, it's like Han's like, oh, they can't be tracking us. But then she recognizes that they're tracking us, but then they still go back to the rebel base and the Death Star follows them. So it's like, if you knew they were tracking you, why did you go back there? You just gave away the entire base. But So questionable strategic decisions from General <laughs> yeah, Leia. Jacob, don't get cocky, kid. Starting here. <laughs> I'll get there. Oh, we do get the, yeah, don't get cocky. We That's get great. The little, don't little get cocky, battle. Kid classic yeah um so that, solo puts on gloves like driving gloves to work yeah. that shooter it's the only time he does fingerless little brown leather gloves i was seeing that this time joe i was like look at this motherfucker yeah yeah where were those Did you guys the notice the dice prequel, though man. the <laughs> dice are there hanging up mm-hmm. but i guess somebody stole those after this movie and they don't come back in empire i'm gonna have to keep an eye out but like they're only in this movie from what oh. i understand so maybe maybe he put them away because he found a new uh, love. Before he, he was going to see Princess Leia. He knew he would get That's when he got Park. over her. <laughs> do, yeah. do you guys think that uh, <laughs> Carrie and, and uh, Harrison have great chemistry in this movie? I was very impressed. Obviously, we know now the story with her passing, but before that, she released The Princess Diaries, where she talked about how they were basically fucking on every Star Wars set, and that's very <laughs> jarring to me, sure. but you can really feel it this time watching it. <laughs> and doing a lot of cocaine. I think they have great chemistry. I though. think all, all three uh, of the, the, the same, young Jacob. core cast is, is great together. Like all three of them, they're just, they're, it's perfect. It's perfect. 
yeah, the way they play off each other. She's so badass. She like takes the gun and shoots. You know, it's like you guys are so incompetent. Like she's great. Han Solo's just a little. He's not a nerf herder yet, but he is a rascal. Yeah. And then Luke's just a naive farm boy. He just and wants he's to so, good Mark Hamill is so good at that, Mike. Being the aw shucks idiot who's just like blown away by every scene. He feels like he's in like Green Acres in space. <laughs> I fucking hate farm yeah, boy. Yeah, absolutely. Luke. Is that a hot? Do you hate farm boy, yeah. Luke? I mean, Luke's never been no. one of my favorite characters, and I, I this is my least favorite version of him. I like this version, of Luke, just because it's so naive and. Bright eye, but He's I can literally see a guy like, who joins the army because he wants to get laid. That is the moral <laughs> of this movie. Is like that chick's hot. Yeah, my sister's going. Yeah, bang like, me. we got to save her. And it shows how far he comes <laughs> by. You know, Return of the Jedi. He grows a lot. You know, through three movies. People say, yeah, Luke is like a one-note character. They all like say, oh, Luke's not that good. But really, yeah, from this to Jedi, and then even now where we go past yeah. that, like, yeah, he has a pretty dynamic growth because especially in Empire well, and then in this like, one, Mike, a lot that he, happens to this kid who is just well, on a farm. Well, he does find his uh, aunt-uncle Mars attack-style skeletons. <laughs> like, he's yeah. literally just like, oh, my God. So Owen didn't want him to know that much about his dad because he didn't want him to be like his father. But then they ended up the most like his father because they were burned oh to God. a crisp. You, you were laughing before you could get that out. The violence in this movie is so weird because, you know, Obi-Wan dissipates with from a lightsaber blast. It's one of the few times we see, like, the reddest blood in Star Wars uh, from a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. You see the skeletons. I mean, like, it is kind of out there for a PG movie. Yeah, you see a bunch of That's X-Wing true. fighters just blow up and just die. Jacob, how would you like to yeah, be the X-Wing commander who's talking to him and Biggs or, or uh, whichever one of his friends it is when they get back to the base? And he's Wedge. like, are you any good? Wedge. Thank you. Wedge Antilles. Thank you, Jacob. Or Joe, sorry. Where uh, the guy's like, is this guy any good? And he's like, yeah, he was the best bush pilot on my planet. And he's like, mm, all right. And then that guy goes on to single-handedly <laughs> right, blow up the Death Star by himself. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, we got limited resources, but we'll give you an X-wing. We uh, we don't even know if you have a license. I used to bullseye womp rats. They're not much bigger than two meters. Yeah, the best like, wow, quote. What a dick thing to say. Yeah, who the fuck is this guy? Right? Who brought him <laughs> to the strategic meeting talking shit? Right? This farm boy. Um, we get to see our first uh, Mon Calamari though, right? We get to. Uh... No, he's, he's not, not in the scene. No, that's right. So cancel that. But we get the big strategy scene where they find the. Uh, the weakness of the Death Star. They think small fighters are not a threat, so we can take small strike forces down, and that is kind of the plan. And as we said, Luke, best pilot on my little uh, bush-ass planet. So let's put a helmet on him and let's go. They even ask him if they want him to replace the droid. Oh, the, this no old way. R2 unit no, we've been through a one. lot like, together. Yeah. So <laughs> the last three hours. R2. I've never seen a droid yeah, just met. Oil. Yeah. I've known him for <laughs> a day and a half. <laughs> That's another thing that struck me is that everything that happens in this movie is in, in like a day. It might be in real no. time. Yeah, no, truly. Well, we'll see how long it took the Millennium Falcon because they do have that little training montage and they're playing chess and letting the Wookiee win. But um, the, the Death Star run, right? Let's get there. I mean, this is one of the most iconic scenes in a movie. Like, it's super sick. They did it with models and like actually building things. The original ones were using complicated camera controls and compositing effects and the new versions they've updated it with cg you know x-wings and tie fighters but this was it's amazing kind of a no matter what version you watch and a lot of the model work is still intact even in the new version well, first of all x-wing the design of the x-wing is just 
fucking sick. Hell yes, dude. Yeah, the, the TIE, tie fighters. Fighter. Darth Vader's TIE fighter is awesome. Uh, I just I never realized before, like, X-Wing is such a cool, mm-hmm. like, such a cool design for a ship. I never really appreciated that as much as I did when I rewatched. Are you not a Poe Dameron fan? The amount of... <laughs> oh, I'm a big Poe Dameron fan. The, the iconic ships, like even the A-Wings, every ship in this thing is iconic. And like a lot of them were kit-bashed together. Some of them, they were making parts from scratch. Like the Millennium Falcon, I remember, like George was like, what if it like made it look like a hamburger? You know, and like the engine's the bun. <laughs> so it's like, that's why it's like flat, oh, but it's cool. like, it's so yeah. iconic. And yeah, all the ships. And that's why we still see them in the new movies and why they were kind of showing the proto versions of them in the prequels, because they are that amazing yes mike i also find small ships to be no threat uh so i was really focused on that line this time thank you for (laughs) saying it um yeah they're dope i'll ask you guys right now what would you rather pilot a tie fighter or an x-wing uh a tie fighter just because i'd like to be able to see what i can do you know that giant window in the front i find to be like super helpful The visibility is pretty great on the TIE fighters. Yeah, I, I want to pilot a TIE interceptor Ooh, specifically. I'll take a bomber then. But if not, I would. Yeah, I would take an A wing over an X wing though. I just, I just like them. They're so agreed, weird. Mike. Uh, yeah. In terms of the the fighter pilots, you know, I always like the A wing more than the X wing. Yeah, I don't know why the X wing's iconic, but it's like everyone's got one of those. I don't yeah, I like the A wing. I don't know. It's smaller. I had the toy of it too. Like when I went on the re-release in 1997, my aunt got me a little A-wing toy. And like, the A-wing is okay, but the X-wing is like they're like the Blue Angels of the Rebel fleet. Like they're the, the most badass pilots get to fly the X-wings, right? And they're the you best. Know, at maneuver. They just had them hanging around. They gave one to Luke. But are they also the only yeah, ones? The best they gave them. The, they gave those to the farmhand <laughs> walk-ons. <laughs> yeah, truly. Um, do Tie Fighters and other things take astromech droids, or is it just X-wings? I think they can. A-wings do. And Jedi Starfighters also had astromechs. Yeah, we see the evil astromechs. They're usually black or silver or something. (laughs) We'll talk about it later. I've never uh, seen them on a TIE fighter. I never have either, Mike. Hey, we'll talk about it later. Uh, I definitely want to know when we wrap up this series what character you would be in this whole thing. Jacob, you just talked about the evil droids. Uh, We'll see it in Return of the Jedi. I'm one of the white protocol droids like C-3PO that's on the bad guys team who you just see like just like walking around in the background doing nothing. That's (laughs) me. That's my entire Exactly. That's my whole biz. <laughs> Do you guys know what tie stands for in tie? Twin, en- twin, twin ion engine. Yeah. Yeah. You got oh. it. You win the bar trivia, Colin. You get a gift card to TGI Fridays. Uh, yes. I won a Star Wars trivia question with that uh, or trivia contest with that. And I had a life size Darth Vader cut out in my basement. What? So- you know, I think you telling that story on the first Star Wars episode we ever did is probably why I know oh. that. So I'm sorry for stealing your knowledge, <laughs> I, Joe. I had forgotten that. <laughs> Jeez, I was wondering how it took this long. If I could walk by and high-five Darth Vader as I'm going to school, my life would have been a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other guy on the team, because it was it was uh, two, two on a team, um, we got two uh, standouts, and he took uh, Padme. But it was like Queen Amidala, like... oh. Episode. Mm, I thought you were gonna say Boba. <laughs> yeah, you picked, picked the wrong, wrong one. Oh, no, I, well, I, I don't know what the, the choices right were. <laughs> you picked the right one. <laughs> that was it. Those were the, the two Vader choices. Is, is I mean, if Jar Jar was an option, 
it was, Jar Jar it was, was right the after the episode one. one came out. So he was like, oh, dibs on Queen right. Amidala. And I was like, you could take her. I'll take her <laughs> Vader. That's true. Vader's got more staying power. That's for sure as well. That's awesome. Um, what do we think about this and the run, the big run? Use the force, Luke. You know, you're targeting computers off. Red leader, gold leader, like standing by. Classic. It's, it's, it's a Classic. great finale. Obviously, they're, you know, very influenced by World War II dogfights and that kind of thing. And even the, the Millennium Falcon guns are like the chain guns, right? And then you have the, the fighter jets. It's great stuff, though. It's great stuff. I mean, George Lucas at one point was showing World War II footage to the backers right. to try to get funding. And he kind of just used those as like animatics to basically plan out how he was going to film with his little models. So um, there's something to be said about the craft of this film from building the sets to building the models to filming them. It was just like a ragtag group of crazy, like 20 something artist people who were given millions of dollars and said, I, I guess make it work. And there's no guarantee for this thing to succeed. And the fact that it blew up, it's because you're giving artists that freedom, I believe, to just do something weird. And like it's like craftsmen, right? At the height of their skill. Oh, yeah. And I think that's what we see on display yeah, here when it's, it's at its best. it's nitty-gritty stuff, Mike, because they're literally taking like old flash uh, bulb things from cameras and other like light fixtures to make the lightsabers. They glued yeah. windshield wipers onto the side. That's what the grip Beautiful. is. It's just cut up windshield wipers glued to a metal tube. I mean, this movie really is a part it's of the uh, American New Wave. Like, it is a part of that Jaws era wave of movies that came in and really defined American cinema in a way. We say that Jaws kind of started the blockbuster thing. This cemented it, basically. Because... Yeah. Yeah, lines around the block. It's like the first movie. That's where the term blockbuster came from. Am I right? From Star Wars, because people were lined up around the block. I believe I heard that somewhere. I could be wrong, but I'll go ahead and believe that I'm right. Because it's 2019. You know, I just wanted to go see a movie that I thought was called Blue Harvest, but then I got tricked into seeing some Can sci-fi. Can you imagine, Jacob? <laughs> that's the moisture farming. Yeah. Water no, it's is the blue, blue milk coming out. Wow, of I had never put that together. <laughs> or harvesting blue milk. <laughs> um, I kind of so we get in there and you got to shoot the exhaust port. Looks like Luke's in a little bit of trouble. Darth Vader comes out in his sweet tie bomber. It's got curved wings. He's got his boys by his side. We R. lose big. Uh, well, I like Mike. how so. And Porkins. Yeah. Porkins. You like how they named the larger guy Porkins? <laughs> I thought that was interesting. <laughs> And a lot of those guys... Well, there's a um, lot of questionable decisions. No, of course, a lot movie. of those guys' footage of the cockpit, you know, the B-roll and stuff that they have, of course, gets reused in Rogue One to set up, you know, their end Armada battle scene. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I would love to just be that guy in one of these movies, just like, oh, no, I'm <laughs> going in too hot. Everybody, you know, there's all the go. stories. It's like <laughs> Daniel Craig played a, a stormtrooper, blah, blah, blah. Mike, you just hit it on the head. Like, if I could just for two seconds say... You know, it's red, obviously, in the movies, but if I could be Blue 7 checking in, like, who? it's like, that would be the best moment of my fucking life. Luke, at that speed, will you be able to pull out? My, yeah. Don't say that line. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's in the movie. That's I'm just quoting Biggs. I did think it was interesting. So at, towards the end, right, they have, he's backed up by Biggs and Wedge. Wedge gets, gets uh hit and then he's like oh i'm hit and then luke's like get out of here you can't help anymore and so he gets to leave and stay alive and then biggs is like guarding him by himself and then he gets freaking dooskied and then 
you know, just poor, poor Biggs, man. He got a, he got a short, you know, justice for Biggs, <laughs> justice for Biggs. Hey, and you do, you do have that interaction where he's like, I feel like I could take on the whole empire myself. Yeah. What an asshole. Like, Jacob, gosh. what do you see when you look at the targeting computer? Is it as much gobbledygook as I see? <laughs> yeah, basically. I can't even imagine how that thing works. <laughs> it's Pong. I love how low tech it looks though. Like it looks so like old. It looks like a tic-tac-toe screen and he's like, ah, excellent. And he's just like, here we go. (laughs) Right. Even when in the, in the, when they're in the Millennium Falcon, they have like, yeah, like the two planes and then it's like, got him. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Impossible. It's just two lines getting closer to the center of the screen on a grid. Yeah. And then you have Darth Um, Vader, the best pilot, as we know from the prequels, he's a great pilot. And uh, he's coming in hot. The greatest star. And then he finally gets Luke in his crosshairs, right? And then what happens? Han (laughs) Solo to the rescue. That's right. He gets too scared. (laughs) Now blow this thing so we can get out of here, kid. Han, you're back. Kid and sister, Joe. Kid and sister. (laughs) What a weird guy. Kid and sister is like, stop saying sister, dog. There's a great moment with uh, Luke and Han before uh, where Luke's kind of asking him to stick around. You know, you, you could, you're a good pilot. They could use you. And he's like, I'm not here to put my neck on the line, right? I'm not here to fight any wars. I'm going to leave. And Luke's kind of mad. And then he turns around and says, hey, kid. Good he luck says, may there. the force be with you. And Luke, even better. Yeah. Yeah. May the force be with you. Because he doesn't even believe in it, right? Well, that's good that's a cool moment. And he finally comes back. Yeah, yeah. He's and here's dude. The one thing I'm wondering. So he got paid for rescuing Leia. So he's he can all square up with Jabba. And maybe this will be a question for next week because, I mean, he obviously does stay with the Rebels. But why is Jabba still coming after him if he has the ability to There's now no wire transferring in space, Jacob. He, he can't send that I guess money. He's got to get out there. He can't <laughs> There's no also, he yet. only got the two up front and then the dude who said he would pay him 15 <laughs> vanished, like literally dips that on him. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. But I just feel yeah, like when Boba comes around, you could be like, "No, no, no! I got the money. It's all good now." Yeah, well, you, you know, try you that with a loan shark and that's see what true. happens, Jacob. <laughs> it somewhat contradicts um, what we saw in the solo movie, where it's like he does the right thing and gives the fuel to the resistance, but now he's like, "Nah, fuck the resistance." Oh, yeah, I don't even like thinking about what his name is in this movie now. Like by <laughs> by retconning the reality oh, of it, God. it's like, "Oh, right. guys, I'm Han Solo." It's like, "No, you're fucking not." <laughs> That's the problem with Solo. Well, one of the problems with Solo the movie is that he goes through character growth, but then it's all forgotten by the time A New Hope comes along. Yeah. And we did do an episode on Solo um, when it came out. So go ahead and listen to that if you want to go more in depth. But it's weird. You know, I can't help but think about Donald Glover fucking his robot. It's now the AI of the Millennium Falcon. But, you know. And as we know, it, you know in a Hansel, is Leia is not his true love. It's obviously Amelia Clark. I can't remember her name in the Kira. movie, but it's not important. <laughs> Unforgettable. Kira, I'm not yeah. getting sucked into talking about fucking Solo again. And Amelia Clark, the worst No, no, let's, let's not get pulled into that. <laughs> Whoa, so whoa, whoa. he saves Luke, and that gives Luke the free runway to go and go ahead and uh, blow up the Death Star. But he's got his targeting computer. He's having a hard time. Turns off the targeting computer. Luke, use the force. And everyone's saying, hey, man, what's going on? He turned off your computer, shuts off the radio. He's like, no. Shuts I his eyes, it. Mike. Something I only do when Bombs I'm feeling away. like really suicidal while driving my car. <laughs> like he, he just like truly gives his hands over to the Lord. 
<laughs> Space Jesus yeah, take from the wheel. A, yeah. a ancient religion he first learned about two days ago. <laughs> yeah, so you know it makes sense that you know Ray could get also very good. So everyone complaining, be quiet. Luke, Luke learned is quite a Mary faster than Ray. <laughs> Way faster, right? In like a day and a half. Oh, we want what he got a little bit of training on the Millennium Falcon and one speech. Right. On you guys are forgetting about the weird orbiting droid. Hey, is that a special feature edition? Is that a special effect? The that was, that was practical. Yeah, that was in the original. Originally, and those uh the chess little game they they were originally thinking about doing like Ray Harryhausen stop motion for some of the aliens, uh, cost and time prohibitive, but they were able to keep those guys on board to do the little chess uh creatures so fun factoid bombs away though death star explodes we fly off into the sunset mission accomplished vader tumbles into unknown space for he gives a little how long what did i really like i know what? i was really what? blown away by that this I, time I, Jacob, I it was like, again it's like my grandfather like tripping down the stuff. what it's just as he like <laughs> bites it i'm like what <laughs> He never saw it coming. And uh, the other thing I what? like is we get yeah. one little shot of Grand Moff Tarkin where they're like, sir, should we evacuate? And he's like, what, in our moment of greatest triumph? And then immediately blows up. Hell yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. And then we pretty much get like a <laughs> super gorgeous like aerial or crane shot. Like when they're doing the, the awards ceremony as he does that long walk up that overhead, I was like, damn, this is fucking great. Mm-hmm. And in that scene, uh, in the the new editions they actually added like real people or CG people, but in the scene it was like cardboard yeah. cutouts oh, I didn't for know that. Really. soldiers. <laughs> yeah, you get. That's what's kind of fascinating about these is part of the legacy is George's tinkering. So like it's just interesting to learn like what it's like the the fifteen versions of the Mona Lisa that are underneath it when you X ray it. It's like you know but what is it? Yeah. We think the Mona Lisa is a masterpiece, but that guy revised the shit out of that Is there a strange sort of like embarrassment that he has of like a 50 person crew in Tunisia versus like the highest grossing film of all time? Is, is that why he has to do this? He's like, no, I didn't start out that way. It was always this gigantic thing. Who well, knows? The thing He's that's, a maniac. Yeah. The thing that's interesting, it's almost mm-hmm. like he was was seduced by the dark side because he Ooh, I love you know tale. he was championing oh. uh you know practical effects and everything but it's because due to the time that they were making the movie they had to do that due to limited budget and resources if that if the original star wars would have been made in the 2000s it would have looked like the prequels we know that now right so it's almost like he was the champion for for these practical effects and then turned to the dark side and is now you know can't stop you know tinkering with his own work and adding all this cgi nonsense yeah, and I have a, a pretty interesting question I want to ask you guys at the very end of this, so stay tuned because I think it's going to be quite provocative and it kind of relates to George's tinkering and, and things of that nature. But um, yeah, I think he just got a little too in love with technology. He just loves yeah. special effects and uh, he just wanted to push it. And he, he stands by that this is the version that he wanted us to see. Right, which is why I'm glad this movie was made in the 70s and not in the 2000s because Same. it would literally look like the, the prequels, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and I like that this has a visual identity. The used future was something he came up with that they pull off amazingly. That's why I like that their technology looks like it's, you know, a 63 Chevy that you have right. to hit the radio to get yeah. it to turn on. Like the Millennium Falcon, literally Han Solo has to yeah, punch it. Yeah, I love it. that. Not when he says punch it, but he has to like hit He's it. Like you know? it doesn't I love work that right. aspect. I mean, it is kind of well. like steampunk in space, space punk. Yeah. You know? 
Oh, and yeah. so much of that was just due to the, you know, the limited nature of when they were shooting it. And it's, it's similar to like jaws, like the, 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 the shark never worked right. So they had to limit the use of the shark and that actually made it a better movie. So it's almost like if you get too much power as a director, you can actually make a worse movie. Unlimited. Yeah. And it's almost like studio constraints and budget constraints can actually make you a better director. That's why I like the idea of the ragtag group of 50 artisans slamming model kits together, going out into Hell the yeah. desert, throwing Alec Guinness in a robe and being like, uh, talk <laughs> to this robot with a, a little person yeah. in it, please. Yeah, they really did it. Um, that's the plot. That's the story. This is a new hope. And it really uh, sets us up for where we're going to be going for the next two weeks. But it also set up a big universe of kind of other media around this because i mean we're talking arcade games from the 70s this thing immediately blew up so do we want to go and talk about some of the other media around the new hope and then we'll come bring it back for final thoughts after that let's do it sounds good the light speed punch it We're back. We're talking the expanded universe of this little film called Star Wars A New Hope 1977 Episode 4. Mike, like you said, obviously video games out the wazoo. We're talking Super Star Wars for the Super Nintendo 1992. Uh, This was a fucking cult classic. Obviously, you guys all had this game. Fucking love it, man. (laughs) Yeah, uh... Yeah, it was difficult. It was very hard. Yeah, it was one of the few that you had to use codes hard. on. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I remember trying to, when you're on the side of the Jawas uh, ship thing, trying Sand to crawling. climb up on it. Impossible. Impossible. I mean, I'll do you one even better. I could never, I remember, like, literally when I was a kid. I remember five or six years ago having you guys over when the first uh, Battlefront remake came out. And it came with a bundle including Super Star Wars and all of us trying to get past the land speeder part. Yeah. (laughs) You guys remember that? Yeah, impossible. Oh, yeah. I mean, video games in those days were just more unforgiving in general. But I just remember as a kid, I could like never get past like the second level. And I was just like, oh, this game's too hard. I'm not going to play it anymore. Yeah. I mean, have you guys seen the, the 1983 Star Wars arcade console that Atari put it's out? It's pretty garbage. No. Pretty oh. lo-fi, right, Mike? It's got, like, this rudimentary, yeah, it's just, like, green lines for the walls. It's, like, worse than, uh, like, Virtual Boy, but, like, you could do the trench run. And it's just one of those things that, like, even with the limited technology, they were trying to capitalize on this in every way possible. And not just toys. I mean, the toy sales were also a huge part of this. That's not maybe necessarily what we normally cover in the other media section, but... This thing became a juggernaut, including spinning off books. Um, it was eventually cartoons. I mean, it's I mean, this is wild. why it was so profitable, right? Because when they made Star Wars, uh, the original deal was that George could do all of the merchandising he wanted. Uh, so, yeah, you had the incredible toy empire of Kenner, which is a Cincinnati company that was basically built Yay. on the back of Star Wars, which would eventually be absorbed by Hasbro. Uh, there's a great show Ooh. called The Toys That Made Us on Netflix that kind of covers the whole history of Star Wars toys. Really fascinating stuff. Even if you were like a casual collector when you were a kid, it's got a huge nostalgia factor. So All I really right, recommend Joe, I will that. pay you $85,000 for an original Obi-Wan with a telescopic <laughs> lightsaber. <laughs> 
<laughs> or how about the Boba Fett that you send away for? Any the of that prototype? Garbage. Yeah. Oh yeah. my oh, god! Yeah, man. People, people loved all of it so much, and I mean that continued into when we were kids, and the the power of the Jedi and the power of the Force lines from from Kenner. Like that was all stuff I had. Yeah, it's just crazy that like this came out in 1977, the sequels in like the early mid 80s, but we were still like having those toys, even though we were born like in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, so 30 years later, almost, and like the same Kenner toys and stuff that kind of we're still getting oh, those. Yeah. Just, oh, I mean, Mike, we're still getting this stuff now. It. Like when Marvel got the rights to Star Wars comics back, some of the first things they were doing were covering the era in between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, kind of bridging that gap of Luke's early days into becoming a Jedi uh, before he met Master Yoda, you get the the Skywalker Strikes book um, is a recommendation in that time period. Mm-hmm. It has the the yellow jacket and the space black V neck, um, which is like one of my favorite looks for oh, Luke. Yeah. There's that a whole movie. book that explores that. You get more stuff with uh, Solo. Like there, that's that's a, there's a lot of fun comic books in that little area that are literally just called Star Wars. Came out in like 2015. They're awesome. Wow. And at the time, too, was there like comic books coming out when this was contemporary? Oh, yeah. yeah. The, they were bouncing all around rights-wise, though, right, Colin? They were. Let me tell you the big fact about these bad boys, though. So before it comes out, Fox is like, Star Wars is going to suck. <laughs> Star Wars is not going to be very good. So what we need to do is to create interest in kids to see Star Wars. We'll do that by hiring Marvel Comics to make comic books about the about the movie. So in 1977, they do just that. They release Marvel Star Wars, which is its own original comic book series. But interestingly, before that, guys, since there was no marketing for Star Wars absolutely at all since it was just being created, Fox hired some Marvel artists to make the first ever poster for Star Wars and take it to Comic-Con and sell it to promote the comic book, not the movie. Yeah, one of the rarest pieces of Star Wars merchandise is a poster for the 1977 comic book, a.k.a. the first poster for Star Wars. And that just goes to show how little faith anybody had in this thing. Like, we're giving these 20-year-old fucking hippies millions of dollars to play with, you know, model kits. Like, what is this going to be? Like, we need to salvage this however we can. Turns out it well, didn't you need think that like much even help. Even salvaging it then, like this is not Comic Con like we know it now. This is a basement of a hotel in San Francisco. It wasn't even in San Diego yet. Yeah. No, it would take Star Wars to make nerd stuff that popular, and then superheroes to get Comic Con <laughs> to where it is now. Can so I talk about uh, it was one really last crazy comic book thing that I would love to recommend for our readers? You can only talk about it in this episode. Dark Horse in 2013 releases original comic books for the series called The Star Wars. Now, this is based on George Lucas's first draft of Star Wars, so it's titled The Star Wars. There aren't Jedi. There are Jedi Bendus. So that's like stuff that you see in the Expanded Universe. Joe, we were big Rebels fans. Jacob, you're watching that right now. You know that the Bendu eventually gets incorporated into the Star Wars mythos. But uh, you get all the weird stuff. Like I said, like Han Solo as a gill monster. Like as a like weird green space lizard as he was originally intended to be. With no nose, wow. yep. 
Yeah, I like the like original kind of concepts too. Yeah, where it's not at all like this handsome guy. It's like a yeah, creepy no, and I'm like all Ralph writer. McQuarrie drawings. Uh, yeah. Oh man, I would love to get oh one god, of those signed. Imagine. My god, the one with Darth Vader and Star Killer. What a sick. Oh, those print. are so cool. Would, and like we've seen up. all of that stuff adapted throughout. Like you know, you got characters and rebels that are taken from the original design of Chewie. Um, we're seeing stuff. Now, like the Emperor's Throne that's being teased in Rise of Skywalker is is something that was straight out of the Macquarie drawings back in the day. So, like, I'm really into that. I think it's super exciting to see how this legacy has been built on the backs of one movie in 1977. Incredible. Jacob, let me ask yeah, you we this. Not even really um, talked about Because it's kind of like the most recent thing in the news. Jedi Fallen Order is a video game that takes place kind of before this era. It's post-Clone War, that's but right. it's pre-New Hope. That's correct. Um, yeah, it takes place around the same time that the show Rebels. I mean, it deals with a lot of the same things going on. Um, it's five years after Order 66. Uh, and I bought this game last weekend, and I've been playing the shit out of it. Uh, I've almost, I'm almost towards the end, I believe. Oh, so uh, down that Star Wars K-hole. Oh, I've been on a huge Star Wars kick recently. Um, but yeah, fall Jedi fallen order is a great game. So I just wanted to say briefly, um, you know, it's, I would already put it like in the pantheon of like whatever you think the greatest star Wars movie, uh, video games are, you know, KOTOR, you know, dark forces, Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy, blah, blah, blah. The, you have to put this with the very best of star Wars games. It is absolutely a great game. Um, obviously, you know, the combat is very, from software, Dark Souls inspired. Uh, oh, it's sort Mike's of a mix between, it. yeah, it's a mix between the the yes. From Software combat with the um, Uncharted sort of movement environment kind of thing. Yeah, and then you get some Metroidvania where you're doing a lot of backtracking, looking for Ooh. secret rooms and chests. Yeah, the the levels are gigantic, and you're just exploring these levels. I've been to a couple planets where I only probably have less than 50% explored and I've already done like the story stuff there. So there's just a lot to go back and wow, explore. You're saying EA did something good here. I mean, this is not it's really first amazing. impressions on this man. And you said you got a double sider too. Mm-mm. Yeah. You can get the double sided lightsaber and it's like, if you've played bloodborne, um, there's a long version of your weapon. There's a short version of your weapon for different, uh, you know, each has their different uses. So you have the double sided, which is good for crowds and you have a short one for, for, you know, individual dueling and stuff. Dueling. You get different force abilities. You get different lightsaber combos that you can do over time. And it's just a great game. And the story is actually really good as well. So you play a Padawan who witnessed Order 66, witnessed his, his master, you know, getting killed by the clone troopers and everything. And now he's in hiding from the Inquisitors, right? So the Inquisitors are dark force users who are chasing down the last remaining Jedi that may have escaped Order 66. And so if you've seen Rebels, it's it has a lot of it the sounds same sounds so story much like aspects. Rebels, buddy. I, I gotta yeah. say, yeah. don't you think Star Wars is gonna run out of steam as far as the last Padawan, quote-unquote, that they've done <laughs> 5,000 times at this? Maybe. I think the, the main difference from Rebels is that Ezra Bridger doesn't start as a Padawan. He only kind of, you know, he discovers Kanan and then, yeah. He falls Whereas into this guy, it, right. he was a Padawan during the old Republic and is now five years older and he's But that's Kanan. 
Yeah, but Kanan yeah. wasn't a And Kanan even has a book that explores that uh you know, it's Kanan the last Padawan is is a comic book. Oh. Um but like Rebels, what I think is most interesting about this game is it is canon. I mean, you see characters from the other movies, right, Jacob? Don't oh, spoil yeah, you too see much because I haven't played it yet. But yeah, I won't spoil I know you see Saw too much. at least. Yeah. Yeah. You, see Saw Guerrero. you see Saw Guerrero. And you did mention Yaddle to us. Uh, so the Yaddle <laughs> fan club, which we are the presidents of, uh, reach out to us, Normies. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, yes. you don't Very see Yaddle. You don't yeah, see yeah, Yaddle. But there, yeah, there is a conversation. So you're, the pilot of your ship is this like little guy, uh, little alien guy. And during one of the conversations, he just briefly mentions, he's like, oh, that Yaddle sitting on the Jedi Council, you know, I'd like to get to know her better. And I was like, wait, what? what? Are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Yaddle looking like Tarful, a snack Tarful is another one um, from the prequels that you might remember. It's the other uh, Wookiee that was with Yoda on Kashyyyk oh. uh, along with Chewbacca. So Tarful oh, yes. is a character in this. Um, you go to Kashyyyk, you go to Dathomir, wow. um, which is the... Which, yes, that's Darth yes. Maul. Oh, do you mean sisters and the Night Brothers? I was about to ask mm-hmm. that. Also, is there magic yeah. in it? Which they're in the Clone Wars TV this show. This is very cool. I don't want to spoil uh, too I'm much. I'm very excited to play that game, yeah. So please don't, yeah. because that's definitely going to be a, a pickup yeah. for me. But I would say the story is A+. plus. Like for a video game campaign story, really solid. And for Star Wars. I'm as surprised as anyone that EA would come out with something like this. I know Respawn uh, was like the studio that was it was most in, in charge of like putting it together. They're most known for um, Apex Legends uh, and stuff like that. So I think it's kind of the, the influence of Respawn over EA that made it such a good game. EA is like yeah, distributing no it. Do you like Cal Kestis? After uh, he's, the character or? Cal Kestis is pretty bland as a main character. That's my main, probably my biggest complaint with the story is that he's very bland, um, but he does get a good backstory and a very uh, emotional backstory. So I think it's worth it. It's interesting because EA got so much backlash over the Battlefront games, which are terrible and go play the PS2 versions. But even Battlefront 2 had a story that takes place in a similar time frame Mm -hmm. that became canon. So, EA has two video game storylines that are canon now. I'm excited for Fallen Order. I want to get it. I just need to make sure I have three yeah. days to lock myself and be a recluse because I, I mean, will not stop Mike, playing it. As a both a huge Star Wars fan and a huge From Software game, this is literally the perfect game for you mm. and you'll love it. It's not as hard as Dark Souls, but you'll still love it. And I think you can play it on a hard difficulty and you'll enjoy the heck out of it. Yeah, I'm just scared to... Uh, go down that path you might not i might miss a couple episodes <laughs> yeah. if i buy it today so uh gotta hold off but very cool so it's it's a uh, it's a, an exciting Absolutely. time to be a star wars fan because new movies on the way we got mandalorian we got fallen order it's it's excellent stuff and it all started here with the new hope and uh the other stuff that spun off from there so you got to give it up to the originator and luke by god you did it at least this time you certainly did it right in my opinion that's right and um, any other things we want to touch on in the extra media? I want to mention Rebel Assault. It was a, a CD-ROM game for computer that was very fun. It took you through kind of the main three movies, different story beats, but you did the trench run and things like that. So I remember that was a very good game when I was a kid that was around this timeline, uh, 1993. So I don't know if you ever saw those CD-ROM games. They were like oh, full yeah. motion oh, cutscenes yeah. and stuff like that. Um, a couple of old games that I, I liked were the... I don't remember the names of them, but there's the X-Wing fighter game. Where X-Wing and Tie Fighter, and X-Wing versus Tie Fighter. I want to say it was a squadron word thrown out there. 
Rogue yeah, Squadron was a little the, later. Those yeah. ones from the 90s are literally just like basically flight simulators. They're yeah, flight yes. sims. Um, and my older brother was super into those kind of like flight simulators and stuff, very uh, technical type of games. And he got that for the the computer. And I played that, and it was a little over my head because I was kind of young, but I still enjoyed it. I remember the controls being yeah, impossible. Like yeah, exactly. Where it's like, yeah. okay, hold it's down insane. all these, make sure your yeah thrusters are firing in sync, and you're like, ah, crash. <laughs> and the other the other game that I played yeah. a lot in the '90s was Dark Forces, right? Dark Forces and Dark Forces Two, which later became like Hell Jedi yeah. Knight, Jedi Academy, and that sort of yeah. thing. But the original we'll have to Dark talk Forces, about those, that whole series, like. Maybe on the Force Awakens episode of like, yeah, you know the the games that expanded beyond the original series because those mm-hmm. all yeah. those games are so good, Jacob. Yeah, I wasn't sure what time period that. I know they have like you know Imperial stormtroopers and everything, but the original Dark Sor- uh, Forces, you know, is like a Doom clone or like a Wolfenstein, whatever. But good, a good shooter yeah. for the for the time period for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, the other good shooter this time period was Luke Skywalker as he fired away onto the Death Star, blowing it up, causing us to escape in the Millennium Falcon. Time to take it home to the medal ceremony, guys. What do you say? Let's go collect some ribbons. We're back. We're talking to the wrap-up here. Uh, Normies, look, here's what I would say, just to take it back to the premise of this podcast. The niche of Star Wars is everything that's not this movie. This is the Normie Star Wars. I have relatives who haven't seen Star Wars, but they know what it is, and this is what they picture. When my mom says, oh, are you going to go see a Star Wars movie? Or when I was a kid, go play Star Wars or something, she'd say... This was the movie she was talking about me emulating. Right, guys? I would say this or Empire or Return of the Jedi, yeah. It's the core of it, yeah, I think absolutely. But we are getting to a generation of uh, of youths now, younglings, as it were, who probably, like, they grew up with the prequels, and some of them are even growing up with The Force Awakens. So uh, it kind of depends on where you land. But to me, I think this is what created the pop culture phenomenon. Therefore, the most normie, because without it, there's none of it. Joe, we decree it started at all. We, we decree. <laughs> all right. Well, then we're jumping into our segment. I have here. spoken. <laughs> we have spoken. Um, as you guys know, in uh, Star Vember War Sember, we've been doing our, our bit here every time we go through and we tell you what we think was the good, the bad and the ugly. Of course, I'm talking the Jedi, the Sith and the Jar Jar of this series. I'll go ahead and start here. Uh, my Jedi, super easy. We talked about it. This is the iconic one. Um, Chewbacca is my favorite. So like character in star Wars, I think this is the one he gets to shine the most. He looks the best. Uh, every actor is just given the performance of a lifetime. Boom. The Sith. Um, like I said, it drags in places. I truly believe it's not until they get onto the death star that the movie has any steam. And from there, it's an hour and a half afterwards where they still get off the thing and they got to blow the fucker back up. So that's uh, Star Wars is once again kind of dragging for me. And then if we're talking the Jar Jar, I mentioned it before. But guys, the moment where Vader kicks that old man's robe after he has killed him and he's just so confused. I, I honestly had to 
stop the film and be like, is this a weird Disney insert of a, of a shot that I don't, oh, you remember, don't remember from the original movie? No, absolutely I not. Remember that. I remember Paul that. It is so awesome. weird and it is so jarring. It has he's to be He's so delicate with it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's that's like an old favorite clothes. part of the whole movie. That's your least favorite shot in the entire movie. I think movie. that's no, like the, the weirdest thing. Yeah, yeah. I like that. That's really great. Um, if I could just jump in then, because we've kind of been doing this for the last ones. Uh, my Jedi is, I like that it's a simple character story. It's, you know, the hero's journey. We said it in the beginning. It's very simple, but I like the pacing. Uh, and I think it, it's great that it takes a little bit of time and then it really just ramps up at the, at the tail end there. So it lets me understand the characters, their motivations, their place in the universe. And then we get right into the action for the whole second half of the movie, basically. So I like that about it. The Sith is kind of what happens when the prequels and the postquels now get wrapped up in it because why doesn't Obi-Wan remember R2-D2 who literally mm. saved him multiple times during the Clone Wars? Not even just the cartoon, but in the Revenge of the Sith, he saves him on um, the Grievous ship. I mean, you should remember that. Um, so little inconsistencies like that. R2-D2 doesn't tell Luke anything, etc. The ugly is... Um, the incest that we didn't know about, you know, Leia and Luke kind of <laughs> liking each She's other, knowing beautiful. where this is going. Yeah, it's it's weird, but Give you know, a I guess for it, good luck. It was also weird when Padme was uh, taking care of baby Anakin, and then oh my, you've grown. So I think George really understands adult relationships well. <laughs> yeah, weird sex yeah. stuff written by a nerd. Yeah, yeah, weird sex stuff written by a nerd. There we go. Uh, Leia in the Return of the Jedi. Joe, what do you got for us? Uh, the Jedi, the humor of it, man. This movie is really funny and really well acted. Um, it really feels lived in. It's it's a universe you want to spend time in, which is why it exists forever. Uh, that leads to my Sith, the bad, the special editions, man. Uh, quit tinkering. Your movie's done. It's out. It, it happened. Let it be what it is. Um, the weird, the sit or the, the jar jar, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't is how the sequels and prequels have affected it. Right. So I do like, uh, I'll use it as an example. This, the, the Kessel spice mines, that's a mm -hmm. dumb throwaway line that, yeah, they did make something out of and they explored it. I think that's awesome. But like we said, like Obi-Wan not remembering R2D2, that's weird. Are we going to have a moment like the Obi-Wan series has got to end with him getting like bonked on the head like james franco and space alzheimer's 3, and just like not knowing who he is anymore or um you know just like little moments like that i'd like how it fills it in when it works but when it doesn't it really doesn't yeah i'm with you there stop tinkering jacob yeah um i mean for my jedi you know it's the og it's iconic it's a classic every line is quotable um it's what started it all I think Alec Guinness is amazing as Obi-Wan. Like he's, he just kills it. And I think the whole main cast is really well acted. And I love the final uh, battle with the X-Wings, uh, the trench run on the Death Star. Great stuff. The, for my Sith, uh, you guys kind of stole my answer already, but again, especially after watching the prequels, like recently it's pretty jarring some of the things that don't really fit. And like you guys have already said, but you know, why doesn't Obi-Wan remember R2? That kind of thing. Uh, not a huge deal, but you know, it's a little strange. Or and his then, droid. 
I don't remember owning that- a droid. He had a droid that got its head ripped off at Revenge of the Sith, and he didn't right, remember that. Right. Anyway, not remember. to cut you off. Yeah, true, very true. Um, and then, of course, we have the Jar Jar, which, uh, again, it's the awful CGI additions. Uh, George Lucas, and actually, I do want to take a more nuanced take on the you know, the tinkering, because I think there are some good changes that he's made. I mean, the original Emperor was not Palpatine. I mean, that's, uh, it was not Erin McDiarmid. Uh, obviously, that's more in, in Empire Strikes Back, but that's a good change. Some of the shots that they, you know, added were good. And the visual uh, remaster, I think, looks great in terms of the cinematography, cleaning up you know, the film and that kind of thing and the color. I mm-hmm. think that looks great, but it's all the yeah, random. And we found it on this episode. All you have to do is put in one digital shot of Chewie already having a medal around him. Like, guys, you figured it out, Jacob. That's all we need. <laughs> we could have done that <laughs> in 1997. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet, but maybe George Lucas hates Chewbacca. That's the movie I, that's the story I want to tell. Wookiees uh, are not equally treated. I mean, let's be real. I don't think that he's finished making changes. I think he'll probably continue to make changes until he dies. Because, again, we have the new edition of McClunky, which, you know, was only a recent change. So, McClunky. Which I'd love to hear the explanation for why <laughs> why that was added, but who knows, you know? <laughs> I feel like that's the word McClunky. Like, it's it's got to be. McClunky. It really seems like it's a fuck you. Like he's just yelling, fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah, could be. Well, he, sold, he sold the franchise of the white slavers, never forget. Um, and then also in the bad, I wanted to also say that I don't like C-3PO, never have. I find him wow. to be annoying. I like R2-D2 way more, but, you know, just tone down the annoyingness and I wouldn't mind him so much, but nah. He's this not oil me. bath is going to feel so nice. Uh, Mike, in <laughs> like, my shut up, uh, watch of his look of how shiny he is, you know I was focusing on that oil bath this time to be like, <laughs> oh, oh yeah. that's why oh, he's yeah. so shiny. He looks super like dirty and de- like they both do in the beginning. They they're all look kind of dented and scratched mm-hmm. up uh, when they're on the, the Jawa thing and everything. And then he gets Man, a nice well, oil bath. They've been roaming around the fucking desert, dog. And so there's a throwaway line in Revenge of the Sith about, oh, wipe the protocol droid's memory, which is why he doesn't remember anything. R2-D2 should remember everything and could explain to him what happened. And he says he's been on adventures with R2, but like he had his mind wiped, so that's weird. Um, But the question I want to ask you guys that I teased earlier, this kind of leads with all the tinkering is, you know, the concept of death of the author. I mean, should George have just let it come out and stop fucking around? Is he allowed to make changes to show us the version he wants to show us? Or does it not fucking matter what he wants to show us? Because as the audience, as the reader, so to speak, in Death of the Author, it shouldn't fucking matter what he wants. It's how we enjoy the media. And I just want my original cut, please. Mike, like I said at the top of the episode, um, my whole thing is, is you got to look at it how you did as a kid. Like the special editions were coming out, and I thought that's the only changes I was ever going to get to Star Wars, and that it was going to make it cooler. I, I let him do whatever the fuck he wants to do to it. Part of the mythos, Jacob. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I tend to agree with you, Colin, because and the thing with Death of the Author is you can take, you know, you can take themes from from 
the movie that maybe he didn't even intend, but they're still valid themes to you because that's what you see in the movie. So you can remember the, I mean, if you're our age, you can remember seeing the, the original cut of the movie the first time and you can appreciate that. And then you can kind of forget, like I say that they're the, the, the jar jar of, of my, my listing here, but I can live with having some random CG aliens in the foreground sometimes. Like it doesn't lessen my enjoyment of the film overall. He's just drawing a mustache on the Mona Lisa, though. It's like, it was fine. Yeah. We don't need him to step on Jabba's tail. Joe, what are your thoughts? I think um, I think George Lucas knows that with Star Wars, he made something bigger than himself, right? That's why he let people write EU books that were not canon. That's why he let Starball or Star uh, Spaceballs be made Spaceballs. just under the, the agreement that you couldn't make money off the toys. Um, I think there's a reason all of these characters have had expanded stories. Uh, you don't need to keep messing with the cut, dog. Like, everyone loves it already. It is perfect already because it has made all of this. Um, but I'll go ahead and add, I don't think he's going to make any more changes because it's Disney now. I think McCronky, that's the last he's going to get. And that was his last little, like, bomb he planted. I have not watched Empire or Return of the Jedi yet, but I'm kind of hoping I find little weird things in those ones as well. I think that's going to be a theme of talking about these originals is just seeing what kind of tinkering has been done because I haven't seen the Disney versions. But friend of the show, Adam, he has a transfer of the... Laser discs, which is the last known Whoa. high quality copy of the original cuts. And I'm going to try to acquire those and see about watching uh, Empire on like the original format before mm. any edits were made. And I'd be interested to see what you guys find on the Disney Plus side of things. Yeah, not me, Very man. Cool. I'm watching all the Disney Pluses. I'm, I'm yeah, going no, with all I, the new I want changes. that weird little honeycomb monster that goes like, <laughs> I love that. That's right. Oh man, I forgot about that. That's yeah. The there's most one change egregious. in uh, in Return of the Jedi. There's one scene in particular that I'm looking forward to seeing that I know was changed. So yeah, yeah it's we'll interesting some of these things. So we'll get there. But a new hope. Um, we've done it. We've gotten through it. It's fantastic. Anything else we want to say one more time around the horn before we get out of here on a new hope, Colin? Uh, no, normies. You know, just let us know what you thought for all stars. I, I always blow it. Starvember Warsember. Again, Mike, you came up with that name. Got I him. fucking love it. And I, I love that we're doing <laughs> this. This has been sort of a, a huge boom in listenership for us, too. Thank you for checking it out, Normies. The names are a little McClunky, if I, if I may say. Uh, so uh, myself. Uh, hey, everybody's got <laughs> Star Wars fever right now. Uh, exactly joe last uh last thoughts on a new hope oh i got star wars fever bad colin i think that's the best way to put it um jacob thanks for the recommendation on jedi fallen order that might have to be a, a christmas wish list item for me um i'm glad we're in the uh the ots or the you know we're, we're here we're talking what started it all can't wait for next week um so yeah so stay tuned there's a lot more star wars to discuss jacob how about you yeah, I have also come down with a, a a bad case of Star Wars fever. I mean, <laughs> I I've always been a Star Wars fan, but I haven't really thought about or thought about rewatching these movies in a long time. And just going back through with you know doing these podcasts, watching every movie, it's been a real it's been a real enjoyable time. And between these, The Mandalorian, the new video game, I've started watching Rebels on Disney Plus. I'm just I'm deep in the Star Wars hole. You were right playing now. Kotor before oh, Fallen Order. That's right. I started Kotor. All Star Wars um, all the time. Hell yeah. yeah. And I've been loving it. 
And uh, yeah, so if you want to hear more from me, follow me on on Instagram, follow me on Twitter. Um, I'm not going to tell you the names, but you have to figure it out. Look them up, Norman. What a soon. Uh, for me, you know, and this has been a great ride rewatching these, and I'm now staring up at my limited VHS Empire Strikes Back poster. Very excited about next week's episode. And, uh, you know, I just want to say about Forbidden Fortress real quickly. The guy, or Hidden Fortress, Hidden Fortress, when Darth Vader chokes that guy, he says, your devotion to that religion has not even allowed you to find the rebels hidden... F- and he almost says the words Hidden uh, Fortress before he gets choked my. out. Uh, there you go. So he was literally just saying, yes, I did that. And there's lines that R2-D2 and C-3PO have because they are in the lowest class in this society. Hidden Fortress is told from the peasant's point of view, and they say the exact same shit like, it's our lot in life to suffer. Like that line is directly from the movie. So it's check that out if you like A New Hope. Watch Hidden Fortress. It, uh, they, they find a princess who's pretending not to be a princess. It's, it's fucking pretty close. Would you but, say they're like poetry and they rhyme? Oh, my God. I oh absolutely God. would, Joe. Thank you. All right, Normies, uh, get ready Marvel for Ultimate Empire. Alliance. Come on, the halfway point for our series, guys, and for Star Wars in total. And remember, we're leading up to the rise of Skywalker, which we will be covering down the line, Normies. So check it out. All right. Well, thanks again, Normies, for listening. This has been Grand Mike Tarkin. This is Ooh, Colin. Nice. Han Jolo. And this is Jacob. Darth Jacob. Jake Kunky. <laughs> Jake Kunky. May the force be with you, normies. Good luck out there, kid. And also with you. Hello there. Thank you for listening to this very special Star Wars edition of Normies Like Us. We will be back for more Star Vember and Wars Simba. And you will give us a rating, like, and subscribe on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Catch you soon, Normies. May the Force be with you.